You know, I could spend a lot of money advertising this show, but actually nothing is as powerful as word of mouth. So if you're really enjoying the show, then please share the show with a few of your friends who you think would enjoy it also. Another great thing that you can do is leave us a five-star rating and a review. Five-star ratings and reviews are how Apple Podcasts and other podcatchers help to identify shows of interest and introduce them to new people. If you do those couple things for us, then we'll be able to keep on growing this show and producing this content for you. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are doing a studio tour wrap-up. At some point in their art careers, many artists are offered the opportunity to take part in an open studio event or art tour in their communities. These events can be lucrative and exciting and provide many new contacts to help spread the word about your work. They also entail a lot of preparation and time taken away from normal studio life and several intensive days of meeting the public and handling all the details of selling work directly during the event. Today, we take an inside look at this experience and consider the pros and cons of participating in an open studio or art tour in your own community. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So this seemed like a pretty obvious topic to do this week because last weekend I took part in the studio tour in Dixon, New Mexico, where I live. And this was actually the first time I have ever done such a thing, at least as a, you know, in-person physical event. I did a, a virtual version last year, but this year um, was the first time that I've had people in my studio as part of this tour. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that you did this because it seems like in the past you've been somewhat resistant to these kinds of things. Yeah, and I, I'm going to talk today about, you know, why you might be like, there are good reasons not to do them. But the thing about here in Dixon is this is a, a very um, densely populated art area. So not only is it only an hour from Santa Fe, and there were a lot of people that came from Santa Fe or Taos, which is half an hour in the other direction. Um, but in, in this tiny community where I live, there are a number of really good artists. So the situation here was such that, you know, it seemed like I'm going to do this. And part of it was was to be, you know, part of the art community here, kind of introduce myself to people here. And so it, it really, really went well. And so I'm going to talk about as a newbie, and I'm just going to say I am totally new to this, but I wanted to share some things that really worked for me and things, maybe some things that I could have done better or thought ahead about more uh, in case anyone listening to this is considering it. Probably some of you listening of our old hats at this and you're, you're thinking, uh, okay, well, I know, I know more than Rebecca about this and you do. Um, but as you say, I hadn't really considered it before. I just kind of didn't think it was something that I did. And yet being here has made a difference. So, and I also thought, it, you know, because I went, because I did this, and then last week we were talking about all the different things that artists have to do, all the different hats they wear. Um, and and this was certainly an example of that. Um, all the things that, you know, had to be done, had to be thought about. 
to make this happen. And so I also want to say before we got going that, you know, we in the intro, you mentioned both open studios and art tour. And these terms, I would say, are used a little bit differently, although they both involve the general public, inviting the general public into your studio for this event, for this sale. And I I would say that if you say studio tour, that's usually used for a wider geographic area, maybe where people are driving a couple miles between uh, a studio, studios or groups of studios. And then oftentimes open studio is used when, say, there's a whole building with artists in it or you know, a cluster of things pretty close together. So just to distinguish that, it's it's called a tour here because people are, are driving. And that appears to be part of the adventure. We, we have gone um, to visit on the tour in the past when I wasn't participating. And it's pretty cool here because some of the studios are a little remote. They're in, you know, a gorgeous canyon or something. <laughs> I know that people enjoy just uh, driving around the area and they also really enjoy seeing the actual studios where people work. And um, mine was sort of unrecognizable because I cleaned it up so much. <laughs> but uh, it, that's part of it. And a lot of people, when they came into my studio, were interested in the building. And, and when was it built? How did we do it? You know, it's this adobe construction. So there was um, interest in that as well as, you know, some of my tools and supplies and my printing press and things like that. And it's part of the experience for people coming in to, to see your workspace and kind of get a feeling for, well, how, how is this? What's it like to work in a place like, like this? Um, that kind of leads me into the idea of why you might not want to do this or why you might hesitate uh, to participate in one of these. And a big one, I think, for artists is that many of us look at our studios as private. You know, it's a sanctuary. It's our own space. Nobody comes in unless we invite them. And, um, you know, I totally understand that. I think I feel that way, you know, all the rest of the time. But this is definitely a different situation <laughs> where people are going to just be, be coming in. And I was aware going into it that, okay, there will be some people who come in and they glance around and they say, mm, not for me. You know, I don't, I don't see any recognizable imagery. I don't see anything that, that speaks to me, whatever it is. And they basically kind of cruise through and leave right away and smile and say, thank you. And that's a little hard, really, when you're, when you've worked so hard on all your, all your pieces and um, to have a sort of indifferent attitude. And yet, you know, it's going to happen. And, and I do the same if I go into a gallery that I realize right away, not my thing, you know, I'll just make a polite exit. So you have to be prepared for that. And, and that can feel kind of awkward in your own studio, I have to say. Um, other reasons why people might not want to do this maybe you're just not comfortable selling your own work. And it, it's, I don't know. I mean, selling art is a whole other thing. And as the artist, it's not necessarily a skill that you have, how to, how to talk to people about it, um, even the practicalities of pricing and so on, because um, 
as I did with some of my much older work and that was in the studio that I brought from Wisconsin, I had some things at pretty low prices. Not my current work. That was that was a normal price, but the the older work. And so, you know, I had to decide what was a reasonable price. It was a little bit tough. I just kind of went with my gut on that. But actually actually selling, you know, actually saying uh, I, I really didn't say much to people. I didn't really say, I didn't give a hard sell to anyone. <laughs> I just let them look. I would answer questions. And then, you know, if I saw that they were needing help with something, trying to decide or something, I'd come over with my measuring tape or whatever. But really, you know, that like uh, more what would you call it, proactive selling or something is not my thing. But that said, I sold a lot of stuff. So I think, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to come on hard with people when they, they come in. You don't have to sell, sell, sell. You just put your work out and if it's right, they're, they're going to buy it if it's right for them. Um, another difficult aspect of this is the length of time <laughs> that you have to be there probably by yourself unless you have somebody to to spell you but basically you want to be there uh this one was eight hours a day for two days in a row (laughs) it was exhausting i mean it was so tiring to just continually be on and continually talk to people and be welcoming and nice and you know it was and and you know very very few breaks at all I I might run down to the house you know when the things kind of cleared out for five minutes or something the first day I I never um, ate lunch ate anything till about three two three in the afternoon and Don brought me up a sandwich and, and then I was trying to eat it between people coming through so at least uh, this one, I know all tours aren't quite that many hours, but this one's long, long days. Um, and lots of patience. You know, you have to, obviously and naturally, people have the same questions over and over. And in my case, um, this was mainly about cold wax medium. <laughs> and so I would get, well, what medium are you using? And then if I say cold wax medium, there was um, a lot of questions about that and and over and over. So I just tried to talk to every person as if they were the first one, you know, to ask that question and and to be engaged and and make sure that they got the the information that they wanted. I think in the future I would I would put out on a table, I think I'd put out a little, a little display with the wax, with some of the tools. And I think that would be self-explanatory uh, to some extent because people don't need a big explanation. They just wanted to know, what is this stuff? You know, uh, Because it doesn't really look like traditional oil painting and it, people pick up on that. Well, and at your local print shop, you can you can very cheaply get a a little display board printed up that might have yeah. like a an FAQ of sorts. Um, you know, I I think I had one printed up for a business of mine uh, back in Wisconsin at uh, you know FedEx Kinkos or whatever. I think it was about mm-hmm. twenty five bucks or something. 
You know, it was, yeah. it was not like a Something huge amount nice. of money. And, yeah, it yeah. looks good. You know, and and it answers a lot of kind of basic questions about the about what you're selling. Right, and and the personal interaction is good too. I mean, oh, absolutely. It's just that it would be, um, you know, it is it is tiring, and at times there would be oh, 10 people in the studio. And so I would take those opportunities to talk about it in a rather loud voice so that other people could pick up on the conversation. But more often, it was this steady stream of two people, three people coming in and and asking right away. So then, you know, yeah, if I had something on a table, I could say, well, I can tell you a little bit about it. You might want to check out the this little display over here and see what it looks like and see what the tools look like. And then, you know, if you have any other questions. Well, and some people just, just want to talk with you about it rather than reading a poster. I agree. Um, agree. And you want to be accommodating to people, but at the same time, it seems like one of the biggest struggles with this whole process is just how much time it takes and your time is valuable. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. So anything you can do to optimize that time and and like frankly the people that say hey this isn't for me and then they walk out the door that that should be it, it feels discouraging in the moment but it should be something mm-hmm. that you you view in a different light because those people mm-hmm. are not wasting your time if they're not interested. And I so yeah. that's that's yeah. actually very considerate of them to just kind mm-hmm. of politely remove themselves if they're just not interested. Yeah, I I agree. And there are many people who um, are not there to buy anything there, and that is absolutely fine. And and that I realized at some point that I was I was feeling a little down when when people would engage me in a lot of conversation, seem very interested, and then say, "Okay, well, thanks a lot, bye." And I, I would you know have this moment of, "Oh, well, I thought maybe you were going to buy something." I mean, quite frankly, <laughs> but then I thought about. Um, I thought I try to think about it in a different way. This is a display of art, and it's something new for a lot of people. Uh, they haven't seen my work before. It's a little bit like an art opening at a gallery, where you know, when I go to a gallery opening, I'm very seldom there to buy anything. I'm there to look at the art, meet the artist, and enjoy looking at it, and then you know, kind of add it to my knowledge of who's out there and what are they doing and that is perfectly valuable and so i i had to uh counter that thought in my head because it just you know it was just seemed part of the whole experience that there's going to be a lot of people that are simply interested and that's great um you're you're building awareness of what you do and actually um Somebody emailed me last night to say uh, she was interested in something that she saw there, had I sold it, and did I have anything else in that size range, that kind of thing. So I know there often is follow-up people um, get back to you later. And the other thing on a tour is they're going to go to 20 other studios during a day or something like that. And maybe you're the first place or something, and, and they're thinking, well okay, but I'm not going to decide right now to spend my money. I'm going to look around, and right. maybe by the end of the day, they're just ready to leave. You know, we, our, place is, was, our place here is a little bit on the outskirts of the main uh, area where people were, although there are 
uh, four artists. There were four stops on this road, which was great. But, you know, you don't know where people are in their day and their budget, so many things. So I just at some point adopted this feeling that it was an art opening and people are looking and talking and that's great, you know, and not really expecting uh, expecting anything. And then when something did happen, and it did quite often, that was that was great. Um, well, and particularly with um, with your your kind of art, where it's it's probably something that most people haven't really seen before. Um, people are usually not going to buy right away. Usually, it yeah. takes maybe three encounters with mm-hmm. your style of art before people are like, you know, this is something I really want. I can see how this fits into my life. Um, and so they, you know, maybe they talk to you at the, at the art tour, uh, maybe they, they go to Santa Fe and they wander into a, ga- a gallery and there's the art and, you know, suddenly they, they think, well, you know, this, I actually really did like this and I, I spoke mm-hmm. with the artist at the studio tour. And so it's, it's, it's one kind of point of contact that can lead to another, uh, where somebody might actually purchase. I, I totally agree. It, there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of spin-offs from these kind of situations that you don't necessarily know in the moment. And as you say, it may take several times of your work coming in front of somebody. And the studio tour is a great start because you're there and you can talk to them and you don't make a friendly impression and a good impression. And, and that does, that does help. And um, so I, I think that's something that maybe uh, weighs in in favor of doing these things because if you only think of it in terms of, am I going to make money this weekend? Well, you don't know, but I think you do know that you're going to get um, a lot of people asking questions and talking to you, and you don't know the results of how that's going to work out. Uh, Let's take a break to talk about what's new from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, want you to know what's ahead for the remaining live weekly sessions of Cold Wax Academy's fall quarter. Three guest artists are scheduled to appear before the end of the year, and several Cold Wax Academy members will also be invited on to discuss their personal and unique ways of working. These sessions will provide an exciting wrap-up to the fall quarter's focus on technique. Winter Quarter will launch in January with new topics, guests, and opportunities for interaction. As always, members have access to recordings of all previous sessions, including everything from Cold Wax Academy's first year. It's easy to join as a new member anytime, and your favorite sessions are always available to watch again. Please visit www.coldwaxacademy.com for details about membership levels and to sign up for a year of fascinating learning experiences. And watch for some exciting holiday specials on Cold Wax Academy products coming soon. So once again, visit Cold Wax Academy at coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. And speaking of Cold Wax Academy and and trying to increase your engagement with these people um, as they're coming into the studio, uh, I, I, I really... I, I know that you mentioned that you uh, you handed out some cards for the podcast, which is really great. Mm-hmm. I hope we have some new listeners who are who are coming to us and and uh, listening for the first time as a result of that. Um, handing out uh, any kind of 
if, if you do a newsletter or in your case, you have uh, an education series and a book uh, and a podcast. And those are all great ways to engage people uh, mm-hmm. in, in ways that can eventually uh, build a rapport, you know, that can lead to sales or lead to just increased engagement with more people. Yeah. And I did, I definitely had people asking me about teaching and would I be teaching in the studio and so on. And I, I don't have any plans to do that right now, but I, I did say, well, I'm teaching online. Um, I gave the website out to a few people and I had, um, I had my book on the table and several people came to the tour uh, carrying books that they wanted me to sign, which was oh, really that's nice. wonderful. Yeah, so uh, and there were there were people that came in to, came to my studio because they knew who I was. There were many more people who just came because I was number thirty one on the tour, <laughs> and that was just fine. Um, so I, I wanted to just mention a couple of other reasons why you might not want to do this before I get into more of the, we talk more about some of the positive things. And when you said before, early earlier on, um, that I hadn't done these tours before, and this part of that was because of living in rural Wisconsin, and I just didn't feel that the kind of work that I do would be very appreciated in that locality. Um, where we live, and that most people would be out uh, looking for landscape paintings or something. Now, maybe that's my bias. Maybe that isn't true. But I had the sense that I was going to be, um, you know, kind of a real oddball on the tour. <laughs> and that that might be great. And I might, uh, you know, I do believe there would be people that would have responded to it. But was it worth it? You know, was it worth um, in the end, to reach a few people and you know talk about abstraction and things, and to with all the work that would go into it. But there was another reason there why I didn't do it, which is accessibility. Um, so the studio in Wisconsin, as you know, was either accessible by kind of a steep, rickety staircase or um, you know a small parking area closer to the studio. But it just, it was not a comfortable place to bring people to for different reasons. It wasn't um, a welcoming space necessarily in terms of how do you get in there? How do you find it? And I think that's a, I think that's a big consideration. Is your studio um, accessible, not only accessible for people who may have some mobility issues, but is it easy to find? Is it, you know, is, and, and there are definitely places on the Dixon Studio Tour that don't really fit that, but because it's a well-known tour and there's a sort of a sense of adventure of finding these places, honestly, I didn't, uh, the studio here is great. I mean, people have lots of parking and it's, it's very easy to get in and out of the building. So, so here it just seemed perfect. Uh, But that's, that's a consideration, you know, for your own, if you're thinking about this, uh, about the actual physical location and also where would it be on the studio tour itself? And that was another reason in Wisconsin, the one that I would have fit geographically. I would have been the only place within 10 miles or something. So, you know, somebody would have to really want to come to drive all the way out to our place. And most of the cluster of studios were, 
you know, they were quite a ways away. So those are kind of practical considerations. Um, I think in terms of would your work be appreciated, I think it's very good to have other people on the tour who you feel are your artistic peers, who are, you know, working full time at their work, they have a professional attitude and all those things. It won't be true of everyone on the tour. And most tours welcome people doing all kinds of things, which is part of the appeal, you know, when you come to these things. Uh, so there's a wide variety of of different types of art, different price points. But for me, I want to feel that I'm not, you know, sticking out in some way as being very, very different or very, very expensive. And here in Dixon, there's definitely a community of people who are serious professional artists with, you know, prices that indicate that. And so that that was fine here. Well, and I, I am going to push back on you a little bit with with your um, your 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 feelings about uh, the situation in Wisconsin, because um, I I feel that first of all we don't really know how that would have gone we don't for know. you because no. you never tried it, and I think that if if a listener is thinking hey maybe this is something I should try but I'm not sure my my suggestion would be just give it a shot you know do it do it one year and if it doesn't go well then you don't ha- ever have to do it again, um, but the situation in Wisconsin. Uh, because the uh, because your your studio wasn't as accessible, because it would have taken effort to get out there, I think that it would have been a a self limiting process. That mm, the the people mm. that would have come out to see you would have been those people that really wanted to see your work, and so that yeah. might have been an opportunity to meet some people that otherwise might not come out to see you. Um, just randomly, they they might not email you or cold call you to say, "Hey, can I come out and see your studio?" But really, are genuinely interested and want to see your work. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and and I, I can see I can see that. And when this would come up to me, um, it all I could think about was how much work it was, <laughs> and is it. You know, I think it's still valid to think, is it worth going through everything to to meet with those self-selected people? Maybe it is. You know, I don't I, like you say, I won't know because I didn't do it. Um, but I think that's a good point. Well, and I think maybe at the time you hadn't quite embraced your brand as the messy studio and, and maybe there was a pressure to clean up your studio. Oh, and there was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was just something that you didn't really want to do. I think that's absolutely part of it. I mean, and and that will be true for anybody listening to this. If you're going to have people coming into your space, it has to be kind of cleared out. I mean, you want it you don't want it to be hazardous. <laughs> I think it could be messy a little bit, but you want people to be able to focus on your stuff and if it's very cluttered um or just stuff everywhere, you know, it really doesn't work so well. So Yeah, or you know, rusty nails all over the floor or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those are things to think about. Yeah, you don't um, want them to have to sign a liability waiver before they come into the studio. Exactly. So. so so I guess, you know, we brought up a number of things um, to think about. Another thing is, is the tour well-established? Is it well-known? Well, obviously, people have to join at some point to make that happen. But if you if you are in an area where there's something that's been going on for a long time, I do think that you know, it's just a better situation because more and more people know about it. 
Um, and so it, it's it's easier to slip in and have a good have a good uh, experience when things are kind of set in place. And that is definitely true here. This was the 40th year for the Dixon studio tour. So everything is, you know, it, it runs along. It's smooth. It's here's what you need to do. And um, maybe you have the energy to start one of these things. And maybe you're just going to be able to to slip into one that's already going. And that's that's pretty that's pretty nice. I, I have to say I appreciated that. Um, so. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that I felt, this is, you know, pretty practical stuff. What did I do that I thought, oh, this worked? And what did I do that I thought, mm, this I should have thought about a little bit more? <laughs> so um, things I did right. So to, two days before the studio tour, somebody said to me, oh, you take credit cards, right? And I thought, oh, oh, I thought, well, people people can do PayPal or they can do Venmo or they can do one of those, uh, you know, apps on their phone or check or cash. That's what was in my head. Well, there were two problems. One, I don't get internet at my studio and I hadn't really thought about, you know, it's hard to do PayPal if you don't have internet. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I thought, oh, no, what, how's that going to work? And Actually, we put the um, the extender that we have in the house, we just set it outside on a table, and it shot the Wi-Fi up to the studio, and that was great. But I also remembered that I had uh, gotten one of those squares, the square thing that takes credit cards, back when I was doing some, I had gone to the Encaustic Conference to sell books and things for Squeegee Press. So I dug that out, I found it, and I just kind of re refreshed my account and that works so well. And that is what people want to do. They want to use credit cards. And that was very slick. So I was so glad that that was mentioned to me a couple of days ahead of time so I could get ready with that. And it seems kind of naive my what I was thinking before that people would use these other apps Credit cards are easy, and that's what people are used to doing. Yeah, and they want to get them airline mile credits. Yes, right. <laughs> now, the the downside for the seller is that you are paying a fee when they use a credit card, but you also do with PayPal. Um, and what I did with my own work to make pricing easy was that I included um, in the price, uh, I included the sales tax for New Mexico, which I have to charge and I included the about two to three percent for these other fees, which added up to just about ten percent. So when I was setting my prices, I just thought, okay, ten percent of this is not really mine. I'm gonna, you know, that's gonna be gone, and that was okay. That just helped me perceive of it. I think having one price um, without having to add the tax is a benefit. It's a psychological thing. If you tell somebody. It's three hundred dollars, and then you say, "Well, I have to add, you know, six point seven eight percent New Mexico sales tax." Some people are fine with that. Other people, oh yeah, it's it's just a little bit of a downer, you know. <laughs> so it is perfectly legal. I check to just include it in the price, and then keep track and and pay it to the state at least here. So um, I think that sort of financial stuff worked out really well. I also had a. I got a receipt book, a paper receipt book, and I wrote out 
receipts for people. And the good thing about that was that I had that in hand. And to me, it's easier than finding it online. So that would just be, I'm kind of old school that way. That was fine. I'd have them put their name, maybe their email address right on that little piece of paper. And it's all bound in a book. So now I have that record. It's pretty easy. Um, another thing that you know comes up with these events is providing something to eat and drink. And I think this was a really good thing to do. I know people, not everybody on the tour was going to do that this time. And to me, it was a big benefit because, and, and what I did was simple. Um, we, we put up a tent outside, you know, an awning thing. And I just had, I had bottles of iced tea and juice and paper cups and ice. And then I just had bowls of Oh, you know, like trail mix and nuts. And I had scoopers and plates and it was all quite sanitary. And I thought it was beneficial. And I put some chairs out too, and we have a great view. It, I noticed a certain dynamic going on where a group would come in and there was probably one person in the group of, say, three people, four people who was became very interested in my work and wanted to spend a lot of time. And then the others were, you know, kind of in and out. Well, they would go out, get some snacks and drinks and sit around out there and chat. And I thought that was great because it, it eases the pressure on the person who really did want to look and spend time with it to know that their friends are out there and they were okay. You know, it wasn't like they're hanging over their shoulder going, come on, come on. <laughs> so I thought that was good. It established kind of a relaxing atmosphere. Um, it's good to have different price points if you're going to do this. I did sell one pretty expensive, large painting. I sold a lot of paintings at about $300. There were smaller works on paper. I sold some, you know, medium size, medium price paintings. So I thought that was a good idea to have a range of things. Um, and... Um, Another thing I did was I would, when I remembered it, I would put on some relaxing music, some jazz, some classical, something just very quietly in the background. And that seemed to also set a relaxing mood instead of sort of dead quiet and feet shuffling, you know, it made me relax. I like that, you know. Um, well, and that along with the snacks and the nice view, um, yeah. in any kind of sales environment, you want it to be like a pleasant place to be. Um, and that can be a bit of a challenge with your studio. Uh, but I think you had a really great idea with setting up the tent outside to mm -hmm. provide that atmosphere for people. Yeah, it was almost like a little party out there. And that was that was nice. Um and um, another thing that was very helpful, I had a few friends come in ahead of time and just view the setup, view the room. They made good suggestions. They gave me their impressions. Um, and that was helpful just to get some feedback before I actually opened it up. Uh, and one more thing I did that I thought was good was I had some big paintings that were, I, I really just had to stack them against the wall. I didn't have room to put them out. But um, I made... Um, uh, a slideshow of that work and I put it on my laptop and if somebody was interested in the work I said well how about if you look at this slideshow here and, and tell me what you would like me to pull out because it was a little arduous to get everything out and that worked great you know say so this one here and then I just pull that out um, and that was that's a good tip if you if you're limited with space you can have people look at something and 
and asked to see it. Um, just quickly, I know we're getting to the end here, but things I could have done better. <laughs> There's a few of these. So I did not order business cards. I just didn't even think of it. And I ran out. And also I had I had a few postcards with a, a bigger image of my work. Those went right away. And they were, I think having a whole stack of those would have been great. Um, maybe some other type of brochure or handout as well. Um, I did have a guest book, but most people didn't see it. It was kind of right at the entrance. I think I would think of some better system for that because what I was asking people to do was uh, sign up for my mailing list, basically. And I got, I got some for sure and some nice comments, but I know a lot of people um, didn't see it. And um, I think the other thing was to just be aware of how how long it was going to be before I could take any break and have you know, a sandwich at hand and something to drink and just to know that, hey, it's okay if I sit down and eat my sandwich now, even if there's a couple people in the room. <laughs> you know, I was trying not to do that, but it was just, it was hard. It was hard physically to get through the day. So I think that's about what I have to say. Again, I am a an absolute newbie here, so <laughs> people would probably have suggestions for me for next time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I would just say a studio tour, open studios can really be successful. I mean, I sold a lot of work. I made a lot of contacts. Um, and even uh, a gallery person came in and looked at my work. So depending on your area, you can get a lot of people in and, and a lot of things can happen. And it just kind of helps your involvement with with the art community especially if you're in an area where there's a lot of artists but I would say on the other hand I wouldn't do it just because I felt like it was expected and sometimes there's a little pressure to join in with these things um, and you know you you have to decide if it's worth it it's just too much time and energy involved in getting ready getting all the work presentable and dealing with everything um, so I think there's a lot of things that you have to think about and weigh in. But I, but from my own perspective, my own experience, I was pleasantly surprised at how it turned out, and it really was a really positive experience. So, um, and as you were you were telling me about Wisconsin, I probably should have been more open to it. I just, I I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it because, uh, because I did have this previous attitude of, it's not going to work, and. And maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. But having had a good experience, I did want to talk about it. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.